Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. This is our last one of these for 2022, barring some unforeseen development. Uh, so I just want to get that out of the way. I'll have more to say uh, at the end here, uh, you know, as we close out the year. But uh, just up front, I want to be clear. Uh, this is the last one of these uh, for a couple of weeks. I'll be back on January 8th. Uh, hopefully rested, not so much tanned, it's not really good tanning weather, but but rested and ready to go uh, for another year uh, here at the newsletter. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, there's a couple of anniversaries on December 21st, uh, 1822, an Egyptian army under uh, Ibrahim Pasha, uh, who is the son of uh, Egyptian governor uh, Muhammad Ali Pasha, defeated an Ottoman army at the Battle of Konya. This was a, basically a civil war. It was basically an Ottoman civil war fought by uh, Muhammad Ali, who had established himself by this point as uh, almost independent, virtually independent of the Ottomans, though he was still technically uh, their viceroy in Egypt, uh, and uh, had amassed himself quite an effective little military, actually, because they wound up not only defeating the Ottomans uh, at Konya, but seizing... Um, basically, m most of Syria and the Levant from the Ottomans, um, big chunks of uh, Arabia from the Ottomans uh, really built themselves quite an empire, still technically nominally uh, part of the Ottoman Empire. But this was the first of two wars. This battle was fought in the first of two wars that Muhammad Ali fought against the Ottomans. The second one, he came so close to defeating the Ottoman Empire and throwing the whole European balance of power out of whack. Uh, that the great powers of Europe stepped in and forced him to to make terms, um, but yeah, interesting. It's an interesting dynamic, interesting period. If you're uh, you like Middle Eastern history, I would check out Muhammad Ali. Uh, fascinating guy. On December twenty first, nineteen oh seven, the Chilean army massacred a group of striking miners and their families in the city of Iquique. The killings are known as the Santa Maria School Massacre, which is named after the Domingo Santa Maria School, where the striking miners had made camp. The death toll is thought to have been between two thousand and around thirty six hundred. Uh, a definitive count is all but impossible, since the authorities dumped the bodies into a mass grave. Uh, that mass grave wasn't exhumed until nineteen forty. Uh, the massacre broke the strike and set back the Chilean labor movement. On December 22nd, 1522, the Ottoman Empire uh, defeated the Knights of Rhodes, or the Knights Hospi Hospitaller, uh, one of the uh, great military orders that was uh, that emerged during the Crusades. Uh, they had set up camp on Rhodes uh, you know, several decades earlier, uh, from which they... Uh, basically acted as pirates. They they interfered with Ottoman shipping uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean, made great nuisances of themselves. The Ottomans besieged uh, besieged them on roads in 1480 uh, and lost, uh, came back in 1522 uh, to do the job again, and this time were victorious, uh, forcing the knights to flee roads, uh, surrender, and then flee roads. They, they wound up on Malta, of course, uh, where really the descendants of the order uh, continue to, to govern that island. Uh, so, yeah, another another interesting thing. I've got to write up on this and the Battle of Konya uh, on the site if you want to check those out. On December 22nd, 1769, the Sino-Burmese War ended with a Burmese victory. The border 
uh, between Qing China and Burma was weakly demarcated, if demarcated at all. Uh, this prompted several efforts on both sides to encroach on the frontier. Uh, this war actually consisted of four separate Chinese invasions that began in 1765, each of which was beaten back by the Burmese. Uh, the outcome went a long way toward defining the Chinese-Burmese or Chinese-Myanmar border as it exists today. Uh, also, as a side effect, it forced uh, the Burmese to give up their designs on Siam or modern Thailand, uh, since they could not invade that region and guard against the Chinese invasion, uh, these Chinese invasions at the same time. Uh, also on December 22nd, 1894, a French army captain named Alfred Dreyfus is convicted of treason for supposedly passing classified information to German intelligence. The ensuing Dreyfus affair, which ended with his pardon in 1906, was a public scandal. It focused on the absurd weakness of the evidence against Dreyfus and a bizarre criminal proceeding that managed to convict him twice while acquitting the actual spy, a French counterintelligence officer named Ferdinand Valsine Esterhazy. Uh, at the core of the Dreyfus case was deeply rooted anti-Semitism, which reverberated uh, really to the present day because its very public emergence motivated a journalist named Theodore Herzl to organize the first Zionist Congress in 1897. The first Zionist Congress is, of course, regarded as the birth of the Zionist movement. Uh, and, uh, well, we'll have something to say about that in a moment here. Uh, in, on to the news. In the Middle East, three fighters affiliated with the Separatist Southern Transitional Council were killed and three more wounded on Wednesday by a bombing in Yemen's Abyan province. A spokesperson for the Southern Armed Forces faction suggested that al-Qaeda might have been responsible. Uh, in Iraq, two Iraqi soldiers were killed and three wounded in a bombing in Iraq's Erbil province on Wednesday. Uh, there's been no claim of responsibility, but it is likely that Islamic State was responsible. Uh, it has been an active week, in fact, uh, for IS attacks in Iraq after a bombing on Sunday killed nine Iraqi police officers in Kirkuk province and a shooting uh, on Monday left at least eight people dead in Anbar province. Uh, in Israel-Palestine, I said we would say something about Zionism later, Israeli occupation forces killed one Palestinian uh, and wounded five others in the West Bank city of Nablus on Thursday. The Israeli forces were escorting a group of pilgrims to the Joseph's Tomb site when they claim that they came under attack and returned fire in altogether now self-defense. Uh, I'd suggest that the Israeli government investigate the shooting, but would it surprise you to know that between 2017 and 2021, less than 1% of all complaints made against Israeli forces for their treatment of the Palestinians resulted in indictments? Yes, I was stunned too. I know, I, I, I don't blame you. According to Israeli rights organization Yeshdin, uh, authorities only opened criminal investigations into 21.4% of those complaints. It's almost like the Israeli government gives its security forces almost total impunity when it comes to dealing with the Palestinians. Eh, almost. On to Asia. Uh, in Armenia, Armenian Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan reported to his cabinet on Thursday that the ongoing Azerbaijani blockade uh, of majority Armenian Nagorno-Karabakh uh, is causing shortages of food and other basic goods. Uh, we talked about this blockade. Uh, well, it's almost been a, it's been a week and a half now. It started on December 12th. Uh, a group of what the Azerbaijani government claims are private protesters has been blockading the Lachine Corridor. Uh, the road network, or the road, in fact, the one road that links Karabakh to Armenia since December 12th, uh, ostensibly over environmental damage caused by alleged illegal mining by Karabakh residents. 
In reality, these protesters are almost certainly backed by Azerbaijani authorities and have cut the only road, uh, as I say, linking Karabakh to, an, uh, to Armenia in an effort to pressure Pashinyan into making concessions to the Azerbaijani government. Uh, Pashinyan also criticized the Russian soldiers who are serving as peacekeepers in and around Karabakh, but apparently have decided that lifting this blockade isn't part of their mandate. Uh, in Afghanistan, Giorgio Cafiero, analyst Giorgio Cafiero, writing for Responsible Statecraft, reports that a spate of recent terrorist attacks targeting foreign nationals threatens to exacerbate uh, the Afghan government's, in his words, international isolation. Uh, I'll read you just a couple of paragraphs here. Since the Taliban's takeover in August 2021, a host of countries have kept their diplomatic missions open in Afghanistan. These include China, India, Iran, Pakistan, Russia, and Turkey. Yet if these governments conclude in, that their diplomats aren't safe, and Taliban-governed Afghanistan, the rulers in Kabul will have more difficulty escaping international isolation. The act of terrorism at Longan Hotel uh, earlier this month followed other recent attacks against Pakistan and Russia's diplomatic presence in Afghanistan. Uh, on December 2nd, uh, Islamic State was responsible for an assassination attempt on Pakistani charge d'affaires, uh, Ubaid or Rahman Nizamani. Uh, three months earlier, Islamic State's Afghan franchise killed two Russian diplomats in a suicide bombing outside that country's embassy in Kabul. Uh, the Taliban couldn't secure or protect those embassies, and that was a major blow to them. Uh, the attack on December 12th happened despite the fact that on December 11th, the Chinese officials had met with the Tal Taliban Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, said Ahmed Shah Katawazi, a former Afghan diplomat. Uh, Chinese officials had asked for a tightening of security around the embassy, uh, and for Chinese citizens. Uh, and despite that, this happened. These Islamic State attacks on foreign entities and expatriates are very concerning for the Taliban, end quote. Uh, in the Philippines, the Philippine military has decided to increase its naval presence in the South China Sea following reports uh, we discussed in yesterday's newsletter that China is building on four unpopulated land masses in the disputed Spratly Islands chain. Philippine officials say they've been monitoring unspecified Chinese activities, that's their term for it, and specifically mentioned a potential threat to the security of Pagasa, which is also known as Thitu, uh, the second largest of the Spratly Islands, the largest one uh, that is under Philippine control. That island lies near Subi, which is a reef that China has artificially expanded and upon which it has built military facilities. In China, the Chinese government announced new sanctions against two U.S. nationals on Friday morning in retaliation for sanctions that the Biden administration recently imposed over alleged Tibetan human rights violations. Uh, the blacklisting mirrors similar measures taken by the U.S., meaning that any assets these two people have in China will be frozen and they'll be barred from traveling to China or engaging with Chinese nationals or Chinese organizations in any official capacity. Uh, in Oceania, Fiji... Uh, Fijian Prime Minister Frank Baini Marama, uh, who probably should be former Prime Minister at this point, as we covered uh, earlier this week in the newsletter, uh, called out the Fijian military on Thursday to help police maintain order, uh, to borrow the terminology used by the Associated Press. Uh, Baini Marama is pointedly refusing to concede defeat in this month's parliamentary election, despite the fact that his rival, Sidiveni Rambuka, has amassed a three-party coalition that holds a collective parliamentary majority. 
Uh, he's still technically prime minister, Baini Marama is, until parliament says otherwise. Uh, but parliament would have to meet to do that, and it's unclear when that might next happen. Uh, given that Baini Marama first seized power in a 20, uh, uh, 2006 excuse me, military coup, uh, these developments have to be viewed with some degree of pre- trepidation, I would say. Uh, meanwhile, board members of the Social Democratic Liberal Party, who handed Rabuka that majority uh, when they narrowly voted by a 16 to 14 margin to join his coalition earlier this week, are reportedly set to meet again on Friday to consider the validity of that vote. Uh, Fijian election officials and uh, the Social Democratic Liberal Party's own general secretary have questioned whether the vote was conducted legitimately. Uh, If the party reverses its decision and throws its support behind Baini Marama, uh, I suppose that might temporarily resolve the military issue, uh, but it likely will not end what seems to be an emerging political crisis, no matter which way this falls, uh, which way this breaks. In Africa, in Mali, the Permanent Strategic Framework for Peace, Security, and Development, a coalition of northern Malian militant groups, announced on Thursday that it is withdrawing from its 2015 peace agreement with the Malian government, citing, quote, the persistent absence of political will, end quote, in implementing that accord shown by Mali's ruling junta. The 2015 Algiers Accord brought an end to a northern Tuareg rebellion against the Malian government, save for the continued activity of extremist-slash-jihadist groups. Uh, Its terms remain largely unimplemented, which is partly a failure of the Malian government, and partly because the escalation of extremist violence, which itself is another failure of the Malian government, uh, has made implementation impossible in many parts of northern uh, Mali. The coalition says that it would be willing to resume negotiations with the junta, but only in internationally mediated talks that are held in a neutral country. Uh, In Burkina Faso, the ruling junta there has reportedly expelled two French nationals from the country over allegations of spying. They were apparently working for a telecommunications company, but according to Burkina Bay media, they were attempting to acquire information about the country's military. Uh, I think it's safe to say that relations between uh, the ruling junta in Burkina Faso and France are going in a direction similar to that followed by Mali's ruling junta, which contracted uh, a deal with Russia's Wagner Group to provide counterinsurgency assistance and has essentially cut ties with Paris. Uh, leaders of the Burkina, Burkina Bay junta may already have cut a deal with Wagner, as we uh, talked about earlier this week, uh, though they have yet to confirm rumors to that effect. Uh, in South Sudan, there is a video circulating online that shows South Sudanese President Salva Kiir uh, urinating on himself during a public appearance last week. Uh, this video has intensified discussions regarding the 71-year-old Kiir's fitness for office. He has, for the past couple of years, been dogged by rumors of ill health, uh, particularly given that he is leading a country facing a wide array of serious political and economic challenges. It's also raised concerns about journalistic ethics and protection. Uh, as, for example, there have been threats against the camera operator's life. Uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, there were reports of clashes between M23 rebels and members of the pro-Congolese government Patriotic Alliance for a Free and Independent Congo, or APCLS, militia, uh, in North Kivu province on Thursday. APCLS is an ethnic Hunde militia, which is one of several government-aligned militant groups that have been battling M23 in recent weeks during its advance on North Kivu's provincial capital, Goma. 
A new United Nations expert report, meanwhile, concludes that the Rwandan military has been engaging in military operations in the eastern DRC in support of M23. Congolese officials have for months been accusing Rwanda of providing direct assistance to M23, while the Rwandan government has denied those claims. On to Europe, starting in Russia. Uh, The Biden administration on Thursday imposed new sanctions against 10 Russian naval entities over the Russian military's attacks on Ukraine's few remaining Black Sea ports. The sanctions announcement emphasized Russian operations targeting the three ports that are exporting Ukrainian food products under the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The targeted entities are involved in activities like naval research, shipbuilding, and technology development. Uh, the White House alleged on Thursday that, that Wagner Group, uh, the private military firm, has been buying weapons from North Korea for use in Ukraine. Wagner's own, uh, owner, the oligarch Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, denied the charge, as did the North Korean government. The U.S. government could take this complaint to the U.N. Security Council, since any Russian arms purchase would violate U.N. Security Council sanctions covering North Korea's arms industry. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin referred to the war in Ukraine as a war in a news conference on Thursday, specifically talking about his, uh, at this point, entirely rhetorical desire to end this war. Uh, This seemingly mundane event, calling a war a war, uh, is probably not all that mundane to Russians who have run afoul of the law, uh, in part for using the W word over the last several months, during which time Putin has instead insisted on calling this conflict a, quote, special military operation, end quote. Uh, I doubt they're going to be let out of jail or have their fines refunded uh, or whatever punishment they faced. Uh, But uh, there does seem to be a little bit of anger here over Putin's decision to adopt the new terminology. Uh, In Ukraine, meanwhile, a local official in Russian-held Kherson Oblast was killed in an apparent car bombing on Thursday. The pro-Russian administration of that province accused the Ukrainians of carrying out the attack, which seems like a reasonable conclusion. The Ukrainian officials have not, to my knowledge, commented. Elsewhere, former Russian Deputy Prime Minister Dmitry Rogozhin, who was reportedly wounded on Wednesday uh, when the Ukrainian military shelled a hotel in the city of Donetsk, where he was staying while acting as a security advisor, presumably to the local government, I don't know, uh, two people were killed in that attack. Uh, Despite the pageantry of his visit to Washington on Wednesday, according to the New York Times, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has been unable to convince the Biden administration to ratchet up the sophistication of the armaments it's sending to Ukraine. Uh, The administration rewarded Zelensky with over $1.8 billion in new aid this week, and Congress's uh, roughly $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill contains nearly $50 billion in new Ukraine funding. Uh, But the administration continues to rebuff Zelensky's appeals uh, for the long-range Army tactical missile system missiles to go in his uh, HIMARS multiple rocket launchers. Uh, He's also asking for Abram tanks, Abrams tanks, excuse me, and being denied there, uh, as well as F-16 fighters and advanced uh, U.S. attack drones. Uh, In part, this refusal is due to fears about uh, escalation. Uh, 
Uh, in part, it's due to concern that if any of these weapon systems or parts of them were seized or recovered by the Russians, it could compromise those systems. Uh, so there's a, a, an array of concerns here, I think, on the part of the Biden administration. Uh, aside from those wish list items, I think some of which may simply be aspirational, he may be uh, shooting for the moon as a negotiating gambit. Uh, Ukraine is also starting to run into problems obtaining ammunition, mostly because its suppliers are themselves starting to run out. European countries in particular don't have the capacity to churn out ammo at the rate the Ukrainian military is going through it. There's been some investment in expanding that capacity over the past several months, but that is not the sort of thing that comes online overnight. Nevertheless, my view on all of this has always been the longer this conflict goes on, the more strenuously Ukraine appeals to the United States and to other uh, Western countries for more advanced systems. The pressure is going to grow uh, for the Biden administration and European governments to provide them. Uh, I suspect you will at some point see uh, a little bit of wobbliness, at least on some of these things. I doubt the U.S. is going to be sending Abrams tanks uh, F-16 seems like a reach because Ukrainian pilots aren't really trained to fly them, and it would take a while to do that. Uh, but things like long-range missiles, uh, drones, I, th I think that's still uh, a possibility down the road. In Kosovo, thousands of residents of predominantly Serb northern Kosovo protested on Thursday amid calls for all police officers, or at least the ethnically Albanian ones, to be withdrawn from that region. Uh, Kosovan Serbs have been blockading roads and periodically clashing police uh, with police for nearly two weeks now after the arrest of an ethnic Serb former police officer who allegedly attacked police during an earlier protest. The Kosovan government has made plans to rotate new police officers into the northern part of the country, but the bottom line here is that most Kosovan Serbs don't recognize Kosovan independence, nor do they recognize the legitimacy of the Kosovan government. They still hold that they are citizens of Serbia. There is no simple fix that the Kosovan government can adopt uh, that's going to resolve that. Uh, in Germany, the German government on Thursday arrested an employee of its Federal Intelligence Service, or BND, on suspicion of spying for Russia. There appears to be one other person implicated in this investigation, but the identity of that person is unclear, and I do not know uh, if they've been arrested as well. Russian spying is fairly, you know, is a fairly common occurrence in European states. You're always hearing about Russian diplomatic personnel being expelled for espionage. Uh, but it seems like it's ratcheted up since the start of the Ukraine war, which makes a certain amount of sense. And in particular, for a BND employee to be compromised in this way is an exceedingly rare occurrence. I think it's been decades since anybody was uh, uh, anybody in that service was was arrested for for something like this. Um, in, on a related note, the Austrian government also said earlier this week that it was investigating a Greek national uh, for allegedly spying on Russia's behalf. So again, this is something that's uh, going on all over Europe these days. In the Americas, in Venezuela, uh, Venezuelan opposition figure Juan Guaido's pretend presidency is facing a pretend impeachment as three of the four parties that comprise the United Venezuelan opposition uh, voted on Thursday to dissolve his pretend, I'm sorry, interim 
government. Uh, Guaido's own popular will party was the only holdout, unsurprisingly. Uh, the parties are planning to hold another meeting next week to finalize Guaido's ouster and his replacement with a five-person board of directors that is charged mainly will be charged mainly with managing overseas Venezuelan assets uh, that various governments have stripped from the actual Venezuelan government under Nicolas Maduro. Uh, Guaido famously declared himself president of Venezuela in 2019, but has failed to actualize that declaration in any way. Uh, perhaps he'll now go searching for other countries that need new management and declare himself president of one of them. Uh, best of luck to him in his future endeavors. Uh, and finally, in the United States, uh, Connor Eccles from Responsible Statecraft reports on a new uh, consolidation in the defense industry, which is uh, not really needed. Uh, the effect that consolidation and the effect that consolidation has on the U.S. military's budget and on its capabilities. I'll just read you the opening of his piece. Defense contractor L3 Harris announced Sunday that it plans to acquire Aerojet Rocketdyne for $4.7 billion in a move that would cement the firm as one of America's leading arms makers. It's unclear if the deal will go through, especially given that the Federal Trade Commission recently torpedo, torpedoed Lockheed Martin's attempt. Uh, that's, a, that's a pun, torpedoed. Uh, Lockheed Martin's attempt to purchase Aerojet Rocketdyne on antitrust grounds. Due to potential national security concerns, the Pentagon will also have a chance to block the move. But assuming it does clear these bureaucratic obstacles, the deal will represent a significant step in the decades-long consolidation of the defense industry, a trend that risks driving up the military budget while slowing innovation, experts say. Uh, you should check that piece out. The, the consolidation of the defense industry is, uh, I think, doesn't get enough attention in terms of uh, you know, reasons why we are both approaching at rapid speed a $1 trillion per year military budget and why the Pentagon, despite getting a trillion dollars per year, is constantly saying that it's not ready to do anything uh, and it's, you know, in, in tatters uh, and needs more, 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 more money. Uh, part of it is, I think, because of uh, the consolidation of the defense industry. So uh, I would check that piece out. Uh, and on that note, I do want to, again, uh, say thank you to all of you uh, who are reading and or listening to the newsletter, not just tonight, but uh, in general. Thank you for making 2022 a, a great year here at Foreign Exchanges, um, especially those of you who are subscribed and, and in particular, those of you who are paid subscribers uh, who have made it possible for me to continue doing this work. Um, I don't know what else to say here. Happy holidays to everyone, uh, whatever you're celebrating. If you're not celebrating anything, then, uh, you know, I hope you just have a nice, relaxing couple of weeks. Uh, but really, I'm, I'm always grateful to all of you and probably don't say it enough. Uh, so thank you. Uh, and, um, you know, we'll be back, uh, like I said, January 8th, uh, back to regular programming. Until then, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.